Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And today I'll be speaking with Ricard Fordslid. Ricard is a professor at Stockholm University in the Department of Economics. And among other interests, his research interests are in international trade and environmental economics. But Ricard was also the author of the publication with Elf and Foresh on border carbon adjustments and climate clubs in the EU contest, which is going to be the focus of our conversation. And after that, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by Elf for the month of April. I'm here with Ricard Forslid. Ricard, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. And we are going to have a conversation about a very, very interesting publication, Border Carbon Adjustments and Climate Clubs in the EU Contest. And I should say that me, for someone that is not familiar at all with this uh, matter, uh, reading this publication makes it very easy to understand and very clear to know where the problems and solutions are. So let's start with this. As you make an introduction to the topic, you go into the question of the rationale for policy intervention. And in here you go to a free rider problem that connects with what is called the tragedy of the commons or the problems of the fishes. And I'm going to ask you to explain that in a minute. And then carbon leakage as a way to evade responsibility for CO2 emissions. So why is this then the driving engine for policy intervention? Well, you know, actually there is a very simple solution to the global emission problem and that that would just be a global tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is that countries cannot cannot agree on such a tax. And and that's just because um, first, uh, there is the problem is that the poorest countries may find it difficult to to bear that tax or find it or have the idea or, or f- sort of feel that it's a little bit unfair that they should have the same tax. But um, generally speaking, the problem is that free, clean air or or, or a, 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 an atmosphere with less carbon dioxide is is a is a public good that anyone can enjoy. So if 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 a number of countries reduce their emissions, that will be there will be a benefit to the whole world, and that that means that it's it's quite tempting to be a free rider, and 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 uh, we've had that problem in 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 many instances. So for instance, with fishing, where where you have, uh, in, for instance, in the close to us in Sweden, there's in in the Baltic Sea, there used to be lots of cod, mm-hmm. but but the problem is that uh, for each fisherman. It, it seems like a good idea to fish as much as you can. But if everyone does that, uh, the, the cod will be, they'll be overfishing and there'll be no cod left in the end. And that, that's an example of how you overuse resources that are free, in a sense. And it's the same with, the, with, with clean air or with the atmosphere, that uh, no, no particular country have any cost, of, of, as long as there is no cost of polluting or no cost of emitting carbon dioxide. It's very difficult to, to sort of uh, make everyone uh, adhere to, to to stringent environmental policies, and so that that that's sort of the the the, the fu- fundamental problem here. That then, so in, in economics we call this a free riding problem, uh, but it, it's basically just that it's very difficult to charge a price 
to something that people can enjoy for free in any case. Uh, so, so, um, so how should we do this then? Well, a, a number of countries have, in, in spite of this free riding problem, a number of countries have actually enacted, they have, uh, they have put pri a price on emitting carbon. So in Europe, they have the EU ETS. It's, it's a system where countries have emission allowances that they can trade. But the, the effect of that system is, is to, to make emissions costly. Uh, other countries have, have, have taxes and there are different ways to do it. But the main thing is that each emitter of carbon dioxide should realize that, that that's costly. And as long as it's costly, they'll try to avoid that cost by reducing emissions. Of course, Europe is, turn, is, 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 is trying to be carbon neutral by 2050. So we, we, we really want to reduce our emissions here. And the only way to do that is to make emissions very, very costly. So, so uh, this emission trading scheme that we have will have to be changed so that very little emissions are allowed. And this means that the, the cost of emissions will be very, very high. And what that means is that firms in Europe will feel that, that it's, it's quite expensive to pr produce in Europe because it's so expensive to, to, to pay for, the, for, for any emissions. And that may mean that they, they move their production somewhere else. Uh, and that's called leakage. So what that means is, is in that case, it's just that production moves from Europe to somewhere else or emissions move from Europe to somewhere else. And since carbon emissions or CO2 emissions, or greenhouse gas emissions are equally detrimental wherever they are emitted, that, that's actually very bad. So policy that this moves emissions from Europe to somewhere else has no effect at all on global warming. So, so, so that, that's, a, that's a very serious problem. And, and to fix that, uh, Europe is now trying to, thinking about uh, imposing border carbon adjustment or, or basically a CO2 tax at the border so that foreign producers that sell in Europe will, will, will have to pay the same price for emissions as European producers already pay when they sell in the European market. So that, that would sort of level the play, playing field in Europe and, and mean that European producers can, can have, have, a, have a fair, uh, the competition between foreign producers and European producers are, are fair in the European market. Very good. And I will be going into that. And every time Ricard mentions EU ETS, it's just a sh uh, an acronym for European Union emission trade system. But before that, and you're an economist, and I would like to ask you this question, even, is it, even if it is a little more of a sociological uh, kind, but when we think about the need to control emissions, but at the same time, and you were just mentioning that with countries that will say, no, we need to maintain our economic growth, we need to maintain our services to the population. And I remember what happened in France when a tax was supposed to be uh, kicked in for um, fuel. And then, of course, we had the Gilets Jeunes and all those unrests. So how do you see then this balance between you know, this need to protect the environment, but on the other hand, this unrest when people have to change their habits and, and their, the way that they think of living? 
Yes, it, it's uh, that that is of course a, a concern. That, that particular uh, tax in France was the timing was very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So it turned out that the tax was implemented at the same time as as petrol prices in the global market went up a lot, and 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 I think the public confused a little bit the, the change in the world market price and the tax. Actually, in Sweden, they were lucky in the other way. So. They imposed a new tax exactly when the world market price of petrol was falling. So the price for, for consumers was first completely unchanged. So clearly that's easier to accept a tax in, in those circumstances. Now, uh, it, it is, the point is that there are, uh, you, it, it, so, so in Sweden, there is, a, I think the same as in many places is that individuals in the periphery are more dependent on, on, on fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the north of Sweden, they drive, uh, you know, maybe daily commute uh, long long stretches by car, and there are no no public uh, really transportation up, up in, in some areas. So so this this is this is a problem, um, and and presumably there will have to be some policy measures to compensate uh, losers from the policy. But 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 really. The point is the following: if 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 you look at the world reserves of fossil fuel, that is oil, coal, and gas, it is the case that what we've burned so far, from the start of the industrial revolution till now, is just a tiny fraction of what there really is in the ground. Mm. So it's really not an option to keep on burning and, and see if it, see if it fixes itself. That will lead to catastrophic uh, global warming. So, so we really have to stop combustion of, of fossil fuel. It's, it's really there's no no other alternative. So, uh, if that, so of course, uh, you know there are uh, uh, will be individuals or, or regions or, or countries that that will lose when when the uh, when when it becomes more difficult to burn fossil fuel, and that will have to be be handled by by some type of policy. But it's not an option to keep on. So getting back to the point that you were just making a minute ago, and that is the need for the European Union to have a, a trading system and, and trying to leveling the playing field for you know producers and they can have similar costs for um, a similar kind of production. Where are we right now at that particular process? You mentioned the border carbon adjustments or BCAs. So go a little bit into that, please. Yeah, so, so um, um, well, it, it should be said that so far, the costs, even though the EU ETS has been, been in place for quite a long time, it hasn't been very effective so far. And, and that's because that the, the, the first period, it's, it's there have been, uh, it's sort of these, when, when the system normally runs for a few years and then there is a revision and there is a new period and there's a revision and so on. And the first period, uh, then firms were given lots of allowances uh, just, just you know, to, to, to test the system. It turned out that maybe there were basically too many allowances. So, so, the, so the, it wasn't very binding. Then they tightened the system and reduced uh, the emission cap. Uh, but then we got the financial crisis. So the whole economy went down and production decreased a lot. And because of that, 
the system wasn't really very binding again. So the price of, of emission allowances has been very, very low until just the last, let's say, one, two years, when it's been going up towards the 20, 20 30 uh, euros per ton. So the system hasn't been uh, uh, very, it, it has done what it's supposed to do, and I mean, it's going to, it caps emissions for, for, for uh, firms inside the system, but it hasn't been very, uh, it hasn't imposed very much costs for the firm so far. So really what, what we're talking about is what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and in the future, uh, it will be much more expensive to emit carbon or to, to emit greenhouse gases. Uh, and, and because of that, it will start to become, uh, as, as long as Europe is serious about reducing uh, carbon emission, emissions, the price in Europe of emissions will have to go up a lot. And at that point, firms in Europe will have will find it very costly to produce in Europe, and they may be outcompeted by by uh, firms in in other countries. Uh, so what what can happen then is a number of things. It could just be that the you know the the fact that European firms reduce their consumption of fossil fuels will in a sense mean that the demand in the world market for fossil fuels go down and the price therefore falls. And this may mean that other countries or firms in other places start buying more since it's now cheaper. And that, that, that's one type of leakage through, through the, uh, the markets for, for fossil fuels, where, which, which again would just mean that uh, the oil or, or gas or, or coal is burned somewhere else. Or, or it could be more directly that uh, that firms in Europe are outcompeted and therefore reduce their operations, whereas other firms then expand their their operations uh, that are outside this area of, of, where, where emissions are costly. Uh, so so to fix that or to level the playing field in Europe, uh, it it it, it uh, there there need to be a policy that makes it equally you know that make the the, the cost of emissions uh, that equalizes the cost of emissions for firms inside Europe and outside Europe. So now there is actually a system for, for doing that right now. And, and that's the, uh, so firms that they think think are, are subject to leakage or, 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 or feel a lot of competition from outside do get the emission allowances for free. Uh, so so uh, the difference with the border uh, the BCA is that this new policy would also give incentives to to countries outside uh, the the European uh, uh, continent to to start with, with policies uh, to t basically to tax carbon emissions, and, and and that's what we want. So so an important or maybe the one of the most important uh, aspects of, of a BCA is that it means that. Countries outside. So what we have to do is we have to al allow for exemptions for countries or firms that are already in a system where, where emissions are taxed. So so uh, and that that's really a a sort of a climate club. So so countries that are um, that start that tax carbon at the same extent as Europe will 
they will they will be allowed to export freely into Europe or, or without the the border uh, CO2 tax. And, and by, by that measure, uh, there will be incentives for other countries to to sort of enact a, a, a an environmental policy and 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 hopefully as this club expands everyone will want to join and that will in effect lead to a, a world price of carbon emissions which is exactly what what would we need uh, so so one so right now it's 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 uh, essentially china is the larger largest emitter of, of co2 and then we have uh, the us and europe and those three together uh, stands for more than 50% of world emissions. So, so it's really very much about the big ones. Uh, and and uh, if you if and and the idea, you know, it's, it's, it has been suggested that you could start a, a carbon club with some small enthusiastic countries. So may, let's say Sweden tried to do that with with uh, Denmark. Yeah, may, maybe you know that. That, that would probably, in principle, uh, work, but uh, but it's not the case that large countries really care so much about our small market. Not enough mm-hmm. to make them introduce a whole uh, emission trading system. So uh, so w- what's needed is is a relatively large area uh, that starts, such as the EU. So if the EU introduces a border BCA. And then says that okay, if you do the same, we'll allow you to export to Europe without paying the, the the border tax. That will give a strong incentive for other countries to do the same, and and hopefully then, and the more countries that join such a club, the more countries that that introduce uh, uh, border uh, CO2 taxes, and and and, and you know, if you if you make this a club so that. Uh, so that everyone uh, in inside the club w- will trade freely, and everyone outside will have to pay a border tax when entering. Uh, the bigger this club gets, the more attractive it gets. So it's it's like a snowball effect or, or a, a circular causality, where where as this club grows, it gets more and more attractive to join it, and and then in the end, virtually everyone will 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 join. So I think that if if Europe and United States would 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 uh, agree on a club like that, I think there would be a, a fair chance that it will end up with everyone being inside and and everyone taxing emissions basically. So that that would be an ideal outcome. I'm going to ask you in a minute. Then how can we make that happen? To have that big block between the United States and the European Union and make it attractive. But here a little note is very interesting as I was listening to you, I was thinking about all those smaller countries in the Pacific that have very small economies, so they don't have a big voice. But at the same time, they are the ones that are suffering the most with sea rising and, and hurricanes and, and, and those they want to be at the table and the idea of this clubs could be a good solution. But before that, I think it's very interesting what you were just saying a minute ago about the the price that uh, carbon-based fuels, it's getting less and less uh, competitive to use them. And actually, there's this fantastic result of a study called Our World in Data, I'm sure you're aware, where the the price of electricity from solar declined by 89% in 10 years 
and wind electricity on onshore declined the price declined 70 percent in this 10 years so i would like to ask you a little bit of a side note from our conversation how much are these things driver that is the economy the market the incentives of you know, not having to spend so much money to take carbon or oil from the the ground but to use renewable energies right so i i'm i'm convinced that technology is the the only way to to save this so uh, and and the the tax on 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 co2 emissions what that does it it provides incentives for the market to find solutions uh, not you know so so it, it essentially makes the relative price of, of these uh, clean, cleaner energies uh, it, it makes them more competitive uh, compared to fossil fuel that, that that's the whole thing and 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 as they become more competitive it will be more uh, incentives to invest in research uh, in those uh, sources of energy will, will increase and it's indeed a fantastic development with this very rapid decline in 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 in, in the price of, of solar and wind energy it's uh, it should be said that uh, you know in in a country like sweden where it sometimes gets very dark and cold in the winter and maybe not so much wind it's it's a little bit uh, uh, of, a, of, a, of an issue but we still have water uh, here mm-hmm. but but uh, it's not always that these two 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 can can fix the problem but but that, but that's I agree. With you. The, the market it, it's not a you know I mean it it's the it's the market forces have been very very efficient. So once the the price signals are right, then the market will will take care of this. So the the tax on CO two is just a price signal to the market that that something else will be more profitable, and then resources will automatically be be channeled in in into those sectors. And, and R&D will, will, will make, will, will make uh, uh, you know, th- things happen. So, so for, for instance, uh, you know, if, if you want to reduce, if, if CO2 emissions, if you don't have a tax on CO2 emissions, there's no reasons why first you not emit it. I mean, it, it may be moral, uh, there'll be moral uh, things and so on, but in principle, if a firm maximizes pro- uh, profits, it will just react on price signals. So as soon as there's a price on emissions, this will come into the whole profit maximization uh, procedure. And then, uh, you know, the whole ingenuity of of the market will come into play and and there will be techniques developed so that, you know, you can produce the same thing without emitting really that much CO2. So that that is the solution. Um, Let's go then a little more into how we move forward from here and in your book you mention some empirical results on the effects of climate clubs which i thought was really interesting and i'm going to ask you to go a little bit into it and then if you can finish how can we have those two blocks and hopefully with the biden harris administration and with the united states getting back to the paris agreements or whatever agreements are coming next uh, how can we have then the United States and the European Union making this big club and then having China necessarily have to adapt with that? So uh, clubs, uh, there, there, are, there aren't that many clubs so far. I mean, there may be some more te- test clubs, but 
So the studies of clubs have been done by simulating models, uh, so-called uh, ex-ante studies. So th these are, you know, very smart guesses if you want, where, where you build models of the world economy and see would the club work. Uh, and and the one of the most famous studies is is by by William Nordhaus, 2015, where where he simulates the effect of, of carbon clubs, and he finds a very promising results where, where basically the whole world will 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 tend to to uh, there will be be incentives for pretty much everyone in the world to join a club under uh, conditions that seems reasonable. Now. His experiment is where the club taxes all outsiders. So they, they, in, in his, his experiment, the club implies that if you're inside the club, you can trade freely. But if you're outside the club, you're going to get an import tax on all goods. Uh, now, the problem with that is that's not allowed according to WTO. So that would require a change in, in, in the global trading system. So, so in that sense, it, it's a very interesting experiment, but it may not be, uh, you know, it's not, it, it's not, you, you, you can't do that today. Uh, so uh, my suggestion, uh, my, my humble suggestion that it's not based on simulation, but it, it's, it's, it's that, um, that you should, uh, this, this border uh, carbon adjustment, these import taxes, they should solely be based on, on CO2 emissions. And and that that you could could hopefully be squeezed into the to the WTO uh, trading systems because you you're, you're, there are exceptions for for climate reasons. Uh, so so that that's 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 a that's that's a, that's a caveat that we it, it's in principle we know what to do, but uh, there are juridical problems. So of course we don't want this to be a protectionistic uh, uh, measure. So th there are. It's always a risk that protectionism will sort of creep into the system. And, and that's why trade economists for a long time have been quite reluctant to, to sort of suggest uh, anything like, like, uh, like carbon taxes uh, at the border and so on. And, and, and I think that so the, the way the system is set up will be very, very important. Uh, and, and for instance, uh, I think the the it's 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 probably it's a very good idea if, if except, exemptions from from the tax or, uh, or or tariff is made at at the country level. It's probably also necessary to allow exemptions at the firm level, but that's much more subject to to lobbying and the type of protection, protectionism that that may create cre creep into the system. So so I think it's 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 very important that the system is transparent. Uh, and clear and uh, based on, on stringent principles uh, so so that we don't so it doesn't turn out to be just a big protectionistic uh, uh, type of experiment uh, and that that's uh, uh, it's easy to say but but this is it's going to be a real challenge so it's quite difficult to do this now 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 the next challenge then is how to make the world a climate club and, and and clearly, the the key to that is to have the big regions in the club, because that makes the market so big that other countries cannot really afford to stay outside. And I think now with the new uh, American administration, Biden Harris, 
there is a very, you know, a, a relatively good chance that we, we could reach s such an agreement. Uh, at least, uh, uh, if you listen to what the new administration has said, uh, they're they're going to, you know, completely reverse again the policies and 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 and, and uh, start, uh, uh, you know, climate policies that are, that are efficient. So that the idea would be to get Europe and and the U.S. first in the club, and then uh, I think China would find. Uh, you know, very strong reasons to join that club too. And if you had uh, those three in a club, pretty much everyone else will be compelled to join that because the, the access to such a market is so important that you cannot afford to stay outside. And, and that, that would be the ideal outcome and would sort of, with the world then ends up in a club, that means that we do have a global price on CO2 emissions. And once that's reached, then the market by itself We'll just uh, fix the problem. Yeah, the, this as soon as there is a price on something, the whole uh, market system will start to work, and 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 adjustments will happen so that so that emissions come down. Very good. As we're getting to the end of our conversation today, and again, thank you so much for making time to talk to me here on the podcast. Let me let our listeners know where they can find your work or follow your. Uh, carbon neutral footprint online. So tell us where people can know more about this. Right. The, the best place is, is probably my homepage, which you can find at Stockholm University. And there's a link to my personal homepage. Uh, there I put up uh, my recent uh, publications and, and also working papers. And there are maybe sometimes a few links to, to, to web transmissions and stuff like that, too. I, I think I'll put this up also as a link. Wonderful. All this will go into the show notes. I've been talking with uh, Ricard Forslik, the publication, very important one, and you can find it both on the website of Forish and the European Liberal Forum, its border carbon adjustments and climate clubs in the EU context. Ricard, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of April. On the 8th of April, based in Brussels, but it's going to be a Zoom webinar we have on the agenda. This one with the title COVID-19, the way out of the pandemic. And yes, it's the question mark at the end. The EU has recently announced its plan to implement a new digital vaccine passport, which allow people to travel more freely starting in the summer of 2021. The new digital green certificate would allow EU citizens to show that they have either been vaccinated, received the negative test results, or recently recovered from COVID-19. While this still remains to be implemented, and we cannot know for sure how the system will work on the ground, there are already many who have voiced their support or concern for this new method of getting over the pandemic. To know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place.
the Liberal Europe podcast. It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>